Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I think God's doing something in the earth, but I want to preach. I want to preach to the church because a lot of times what happens with the church is we get involved in our little cocoon, our Christian cocoon. We feel like we're okay in church because we are coming to church. We are singing the songs and so forth, but we miss what might be going on out there. If you're clueless, maybe you can't tell that there's something going on out there. Not only in the good that God's doing, but in the weird that the devil's doing. There are monumental things that are taking place in the earth right now. Things are shaking. And all you have to do is turn the television on and say, oh my goodness, are we going to make it? How many are with me on that? You're looking at the TV and you're saying, are we going to make it? But I want you to know, at the same time, God is not done. God has not abandoned us. God is doing something. And there are monumental things that are happening out there in the world as well. We just might not know about it in the church. But I want you to know, God is on the move. God's doing some things. And and we just need to be hungry enough to say, God, I'm not satisfied just here in the church in my own little cocoon, God. I want to be a part of the next thing that you're doing in the earth. You know, um, Kanye West, he, he's, he's, the, um, you know, he's the poster boy for, for bad boys and bad language and bad everything, ends up getting saved and coming out with this album called Jesus is King. I don't know if you guys have heard about it or not, but it, it really created quite a stir in the church world because everybody tried to figure out what they don't like about it. But, but it also creates a stir in the church world in that some of us are saying, well, wait a second, no, this is powerful. There's God is doing something here. Now, when he came out with this album, I guess God's really been working on this guy. But I'll tell you what, God is working in the world. God's working in the world. We need, we need to know God's doing something. He was doing something in this, in this man. He releases this album, Jesus is King. And um, this is one of the mon- monumental things I think that's happening. You have to be able to tell the signs. Wait a second. This is very, this is very profound what's happening right now. But all of the, all the music critics and everybody began to say, you know, ah, it's not that, not that good. It seems like he slapped together. Don't like it. Don't like this. It's one of his worst works. Two stars, one star, thumbs down, all this other stuff. But can I tell you, the movie critics don't get to dictate to people what's happening in their hearts. There were over 200 million downloads on week number one of this album, Jesus is King. 200 million downloads in one week broke every record. There, there are six major charts. There's a hip-hop chart, and there's a rock and roll chart. There's a Christian music chart. Six major charts. He was number one on every single one of those charts. Jesus is king on every one of those charts, regardless of what the critics say. Something powerful is going on. It's happening out there in the field. You know, Jesus said, you say, wait four more months and then the harvest. Jesus is telling the church right now, it's happening now. It's happening in your family, in your neighbors. It's happening out there now. Don't just be cocooned in this church thing singing, saying, you know, we go to church, we sing, we dance, we, we have a, a, a great time, us four and no more. I want you to know God's breaking some things open now. The earth is starting to soak up some of the glory of God, and there is going to be a harvest. In fact, it's happening right now. I remember back in the uh, late 70s when I got saved. I got saved in 1979, but, 
But, uh, but God was working on my heart for about a year and a half or so before I finally turned to the Lord. But back in 1979, there was a, there was a movie called Jesus of Nazareth that came out. It, it was an earth-shattering, shaking movie that, that swept hundreds of thousands of people into the kingdom of God at that time. But do you know that it was from 1974-75 that Pope John Paul met with a, 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 a TV director... And they, they were friends, and, he, and, they, and John, Pope John Paul said, you should do a movie about Jesus. This guy took that seed thought and ran with it. He ended up doing a six-hour and 22-minute film about Jesus of Nazareth and his disciples. Who on earth is going to watch that? Well, come to find out, millions and millions and millions of people were hungry to hear about Jesus of Nazareth. It didn't even come into this country for several years. And finally, in 1979, NBC picked it up and brought it and did this series before Easter. Hundreds of thousands of people swept into the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, God will use these things. People that aren't even saved, people that we would think are clueless, they're not church leaders, but God says, I'm going to use this to shake up the, the field that is ready for harvest. I believe it started in 2019, but it's coming in 2020. It's still coming in 2020. Amen? I believe that 2020 is a double out, outpouring. There's going to be a double portion in 2020. There's going to be the latter rain in 2020. I just want you to know, you got to wake up because your family is getting something. You might be clueless to it. You already talked to your brother-in-law. You talked to him. You're blue in the face. You're done with him. But guess what? God's doing something with him. You might not be the person to bring the, the, the message to him because you already kind of offended him five times. But God is working on him and God will bring somebody else. Amen? You bring the seed, God's going to water it with somebody else and then and bring the harvest. But I just want us to awaken to the fact that God, if you're doing something in the earth, make me hungry for it. Well, I've been saved for 30 years. I ain't hungry for nothing. Unfortunately. Because God wants to use you still to open your mouth and to put Jesus on your face, to walk around and be used of God because he's shaken up things in the world. And what's going on in the world and scaring people to death. People turn on the television and they watch it. Oh my God, Harriet, get in here. It's scaring people back to the Lord. God, if you don't come, we're toast. I want you to know, God does not abandon the earth. Sin is not in charge. Sin can get worse and worse and worse. And here we are afraid that sin is going to take over. God is in charge. He is still a rescuer. He still so loved the world that he gave his only son. He has not abandoned the world. Not abandoned the world. The people that you're working with. People in your family, your neighbors, I want you to know, are under this same outpouring, the same shower of God. It says this in Isaiah, the 45th chapter. God does this work sovereignly. It says this in verse 8. God announces, you heavens above, rain down righteousness. See, at some point, God has had enough of how much sin is tormenting people. People are like, we want sin, we want sin, we want sin, we want sin. So God says, well, try it out. See how that works. But then after it has tortured you enough, God says, I've had enough. I'm here now to rescue. And he commands the heavens to rain down righteousness. 
Let the clouds of God's glory shower it down. Let the earth open wide. You know, this is talking about your heart. This is talking about people's hearts. The hard hearts of people, God says to them, now open up. You've been closed year after year. You've been closed to sermon after sermon. You've been closed to word after word. But now I'm, I'm causing righteousness to rain down and I'm commanding your heart to open up. Amen? You need to look at that row next to you and say, my whole family is going to fill this row. Come on, just prophesy to this row. Prophesy to that row. I believe that we're going to see an outpouring of God and churches are going to begin to fill up. Do you know back when I got saved in the late 79, late 70s, um, churches that were like, like just ordinary little church on the corner had 600 people packing the church out. This is where multiple church services started taking place because, you know, we, we had a little church for 150 people or whatever, but we have to have four church services because we can't fit the people. People began to come by the droves. Amen. And worship leaders, we were singing songs like, uh, bind us together, Lord, bind us together. Am I going back too far for some of you guys? With cords that cannot be broken. And people, hold your applause. People are tearing down. Yes, God, yes, Lord, bind us together. Now we have to have literally, you know, the best music in the world. And people are like, very good. All right, listen, don't get me going. I'm just saying that when God begins to pour out his spirit, he dictates righteousness begin to reign on people, cause their hearts to open up and declare the glory of God. People would run out into the streets during Finney's revivals. Before Finney ever even got there, they would run out of the bars, kneel down in the streets and ask God to forgive them. Why? I don't know why. I just know I need forgiveness. The bars would close down. The guy would open up the doors. Nobody would come. They would close the bars down. And then finally the guy said, listen, let's just have church in here. God moving. But he says this, let salvation spring up. Come on, fill this row. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness grow with it. I, the Lord, have created it. I, the Lord, dictate it. I want you to know God's not checking with sin to find out if he can move. He creates it. Can you say amen? The church needs to awaken and start to get hungry. God, Lord, don't pass me by. You know, every single move of God was resisted by the church uh, or, or some of the church, I should say, because I don't want to I don't want to impugn everyone because some of us are hungry. Amen. Some of us just want to cope, but some of us are hungry. And so the church would resist when, when people wanted to bring drum sets into the church, there were, you know, Sister Mary, somebody or other, I don't think so. We shouldn't have drums in the church. But guess what? Drums are awesome. Drums are awesome. Amen. Hit the drums. Hit the cymbals. Hit the high cymbals. Shout with praise. Dance. Clap your hands. We don't go crazy in this church. Well, then I'll find a church where we do grow crazy because I want to be crazy for God. Amen. I need to be crazy for God. Let me tell you, the reason that I was not turned on to the things of the Lord is because I went to church 
and I saw how dreary people were in church, and I said to myself, and I would tell people, can I ask you about the Lord? Do you mean that um, God knows everything? Yes, he's omniscient. He knows what every single person is thinking right now, seven billion people in the world. Yes, that's pretty amazing. Do you mean to tell me that God is omnipotent? He created, he spoke the heavens into, into existence. Yes, he's omnipotent. Do you mean if we go to heaven, we live forever, like trillions and trillions? Yes, you live for eternity. Then how come people in church aren't doing backflips? How come people in church aren't, aren't going out of their minds worshiping this God who knows everything and is all-powerful and gives us eternal life? Come on, I need to see some crazy people in the house of the Lord. If this thing is true, is it true or is it not? I'll tell you, God will stir up people regardless of how dry and, and, and dreary the church is. God's getting ready. You know, it's so awesome. Uh, you, you know, the, the whole culture, the church wants to reflect the culture because now we're kind of cool. You know, we smoke, we drink, we swear. We do all kinds of stuff now because we're cool. I can even swear from the pulpit, you know. Bum. <laughs> Sit on your bum. Are you offended that I said that? I can swear in church. We want to be so cool like the world. And so we don't mention the name of Jesus. We have all these worship songs that are so awesome. They're so about love and, and wonder and, and love and wonder. But we don't mention the name of Jesus because we got to be careful it won't hit number one on the charts. And that's the most important thing. You know that is to sneak Sneak the message in. Just sneak it in. Well, guess what? Nobody knows what you're talking about. We thought you're talking about one of the Beach Boys, you know, in love and grace and go to the beach and so forth. Here Kanye comes along and says, Jesus, 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 Jesus. 16 times in one song alone, the song Water on the, on the, on the album, Jesus is King. 16 times Kanye says Jesus. I'll tell you, it's one of my favorite songs. I just love it. He's like, Jesus, 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 please, Jesus, help us, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Use us, Jesus. It's an awesome song. It sounds like you guys praying at night when you're talking to the Lord. He actually comes out with it, and 2 million people, 200 million people download it. Can you say amen? Is something going on? Is something going on? Are you done being afraid of the name of Jesus? Are you done being ashamed of the name of Jesus? The name above every name, the name that brings healing and grace and power and mercy. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of it. Come on, he set me free. Let righteousness rain down. God is not afraid of sin. He's a rescuer. He's a rescuer. Peter talks about these times, these cycles of refreshing that come. In Acts, the third chapter, Peter says this, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing or seasons... You know, Pastor Jordan was talking about the, the, the wise men saw signs and seasons. There is a season. Do you see the signs of awakening that are coming in the earth? Some of it's bad. Some of it looks like crazy. We don't know what's going to happen with nuclear weapons and missiles and and everybody's mad, wars and rumors of wars and all kinds of stuff going on. But yet, Peter says, no, well, there will be times of refreshing, seasons of awakening, yeah. seasons where God begins to say, now is a time. Sin has ravaged a people, but I'm here now with grace and mercy to come and bless a people. Yeah. Yeah. These are sovereign times, sovereign times. 
You can't make it come. You can't push away the sin of the world. Sin has to cause enough pressure and enough garbage and enough stink to where people finally cry out and say, God, where are you? We're afraid for our daughters. We're afraid for our children. We're afraid for our families. We're afraid to send them to school. We're afraid, God. Sin is ravaging the earth. God stands up and says, enough is enough. It's a time for refreshing to come. And the Holy Spirit begins to move on people's hearts. In Judges, the sixth chapter, we see this cycle. Judges is a cool book. You can read it sometime and, and look for the cycle. Cycle after cycle. After 40 years, they left the Lord. And then God sends a judge, Deborah. And, and she releases the people. And then after 40 years, they, they, they slip back into sin again. And so God has to send another judge. Samson was a judge. Uh, Shamgar was a judge. Ehud was a judge. And you can read about these men that God would send with the move of God in them. Well, Gideon was one of them in the chapter uh, 6 of, of, of Judges. Gideon was one of them. And it's a perfect picture of how God moves in the earth. It's a cycle of God's grace. I want to read to you in Judges, the sixth chapter. It says this in verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. It's interesting because the Israelites wanted to worship the God of the Midianites. Then they just didn't want to be mastered by them. But guess what? What you worship will master you. And if you're going to worship sex and sin and darkness and, and all this stuff, it is going to master you. Because, you know, it's so funny. We want, we want to, you know, back in the uh, 60s where we had Woodstock and all that, this sexual revolution, everybody wants free sex. But when you let sin out of the box, it gets to do whatever it wants to do. So now sex is saying, okay, this is what I want to do now. And we're like, that ain't right. Yeah, but you can't dictate to the master. You're going to worship this thing, and then it's going to begin to take over. And it's very, very powerful. It is a tide of sexual perversion that is sweeping over the earth. We're crying out to the Lord, God, what's going to happen with us? God says, enough is enough. And this is what happened. The Midianites were oppressive. In verse 3, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. And they caused Israel to be fruitless, dry. Can I tell you something, church? We are not fruitless and dry. Even though sometimes we go through cycles of dryness, cycles of, of fruitlessness, God is still at work. God is still at work. And I want you to know something is going on out there. There is a time of fruitfulness and harvest that is coming on us. Can you say amen? amen. Look to your row and say, fill up row. Come whole family, brother-in-law, knucklehead, get in here. Dropping down to verse 6, here after the people cry out, which is what's happening right now. I believe that people are crying out. God is causing us to stir in our hearts. Amen. Tell you what happened with me before I got saved is I began to have in my heart this, this, this thought, where will I spend eternity? And the more I thought about it, I thought, what is eternity? And I, I began to ponder these questions. What was before eternity? What is after eternity? What is eternity? And God began to ask me, where will you spend eternity? Is heaven real? Is hell real? These were questions that were being fostered in my heart. And right now, as righteousness is raining down on the dry sticks and, 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 and a, a dark world, people are beginning to ask themselves, 
Where will I spend eternity? Your knucklehead brother-in-law is not too thick in his head for God to penetrate that head and ask him, sir, where are you going to spend eternity? And he's going to say to God, you know, my brother-in-law keeps talking about this Jesus stuff. I wonder how real it is. And so after the people cried out, the angel comes and he appears to Gideon and he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Can I tell you something, church? We forget who we are. We forget that there's might. The Holy Spirit in us and on us is mighty in us. You don't realize just how authoritative you are when you open your mouth. You just don't realize the words that you're going to say, even though you might not think that they're so powerful and so piercing, let the Holy Spirit take them and do something with them. You are a mighty warrior in Christ. I'm saying that because I know you don't feel it. Gideon did not feel it. Gideon felt he was weak. He was timid. He was afraid. He was hidden. His, his Christianity was private. He didn't want to talk about it. He has mentioned it in the past, and he got all kinds of flack for it. And so Gideon's just backed it right down to nothing, and here comes God saying, no, you're a mighty warrior, and I'm going to use you to set Israel free. God is going to use you. So this is a prophetic word to you today. Elbow the person next to you and say, he's talking to you. You need to wake up. <laughs> you are a mighty warrior. And then in verse 13, Gideon answers back, if God's with us, God replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hands of Midian. Notice how Gideon blames God, but now God has abandoned us. God abandons no one. We walk away from him. Amen? We begin to compromise. We begin to change things. We begin to back it down. We drift away from God. We, 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 we put our, our, our Christianity into a little tiny category of going to church, when in fact God wants you to be a mighty warrior wherever you go. You, come on, you just come into church to, to shout and dance and praise the Lord and get filled up with his word, but then you go out there and you begin to demonstrate the love of Christ. Amen? Amen. 14th verse, the Lord turned to him and said, go. I'll tell you what, God right now is telling us go. God is saying, my word is going to shift the atmosphere. Things are going to shift. Things are going to change. Things are going to be different now. I'll tell you, when I would go up to people and I would ask them about Jesus, because the people that would, that would tell me about Jesus and what happened to them, I would blow them away. I would blow them out. Uh, look, I would end the conversation abruptly. They, they knew, beyond any shadow of a doubt, stop talking. And, and even though they were my friends, don't go there because I'm not going there with you. But what happened was, as God began to ask me, where will you spend eternity their faces came to my mind, and I said, I need to call so-and-so. I need to call this person up, because I remember they used to talk to me about Jesus. But you see, in the church sometimes, we don't realize the atmosphere has shifted. People are hungry. They're looking for the Lord. 200 million downloads in one week. You think that was because Kanye is so popular, or is there a hunger in people's hearts? And I remember calling these people up and saying, listen, tell me about what happened with you. Oh, hi, hey, why, what's, what's going on? You, you done being crazy or you want what's going on? They were afraid because they were like Gideon. They didn't want to talk to the Midianite guy 
They, they didn't want to talk to the guy who was so oppressive and so abusive and so forth. They were ashamed a little bit of their, of their walk with the Lord, not realizing something was going on inside this person. I want you to not be like Gideon timid. I want you to be like Gideon, a mighty warrior. People are going to start to ask you about what happened to you, what's going on in your life. Where's that church that you're going to? Now, in that church that you're going to, do they believe, and they start asking you crazy questions, but it really is a heart that's searching. Tell me what happened to you, because I'm feeling some voices inside me asking me, where will I spend eternity? Is God real or is he not? Did Jesus die? And so go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? A powerful, creative word of God. You know, these waves or these cycles of restoration, these cycles of revival, these cycles of awakening. So appropriate that our, our, our church name is Awakening because I believe a great awakening is coming. I believe it's already started. 2019, it started. 2020 is going to be a double outpouring of this, of this awakening. But, you know, these cycles of times would happen. In the early 1900s, the power of God visited America in a mighty, mighty way. We call it the Azusa Street Revival. It happened in L.A. Actually, it was happening all over the world. But, but a new truth or a, a, a new revelation of God's truth was revealed in the 1906 revival where people began to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so by the hundreds of thousands of people, they would, they would ship out to Azusa Street to this little uh, barn where they were holding meetings and they would wait there for weeks and weeks and weeks just to get in to have the prayer of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Out of that movement came the Assemblies of God Church and came the Church of God. Church of God to the south, Assemblies of God to the north, but a powerful move of God in the early 1900s. And, and then in 1948, another fresh wind of God blew across this country. This is when Billy Graham came to prominence. This, he, was, he was preaching all by himself on street corners in 1948, and the wind of God began to blow. And he had to get a tent, and then another tent, and then a bigger tent, and then a bigger tent. And then eventually he had to go fill stadiums because the power of God was blowing across people's hearts. And Billy Graham would stand up and say, Today is the day of salvation. The Bible says, that's my impression of Billy Graham. Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne, great healing moves of God happened in the, in the middle of the, the last century. Powerful moves of God. And then in the 70s, God moved again. How many remember the, uh, the uh, Catholic renewal where, where hundreds of thousands of people got swept into the Catholic Church and baptized by the Holy Spirit. It was a powerful time. But, but back in the 70s, that's, that's when I ended up uh, getting saved. But great things happened in those times as well. Hippies came into the church, and like I say, they brought their drums, and they brought their instruments, and, and the, they were Jesus freaks. And, and before you knew it, church had changed. It had shifted. It was, it was brand new. And then in the 90s, God visits the church again. Before God came in the 90s, church was very stiff. Even the hippies got stiff after a while. The church was very stiff. We were very theological. Open your Bibles. Open your hymnals to hymn number four. But all of a sudden, God came in the 90s, and he, he taught us he's a God of joy. And the church is more like his living room, not like a shrine. Not like a shrine. And I'll tell you, that's why we celebrate. 
I was thinking about, um, you know, when we had uh, uh, Easter at the dunk and, and the youth conferences at the dunk, and we would worship the Lord, and then we had these big confetti cannons that would fire off confetti out into the congregation. How many remember that? It was so cool. I, I love that kind of worship. It's like, wow, we should have confetti at every church service, but then it wouldn't be special. <laughs> We had those blow-up ladies that were, uh, you know, that, that are usually at the, you know, used car lots, and they, and they were on both sides of the uh, of the platform. Just seemed like they were helping worship. To me, it was, they had their hands raised and they were doing the Holy Ghost jerk, you know. <laughs> it was pretty powerful, but all in line with the fact that God says my house is going to be a house of joy, a house of healing, a house of grace, not a house of stiff. In Jesus' name. Every time there's a powerful move of God, something shifts, something changes. Church gets better. Church gets more awesome. I want to give you four quick things that you need to open your mouth as Gideons now, as mighty warriors. You need to begin to understand God is raining down righteousness in the earth. You need to recognize this fact. Amen? Some of you guys have not given your testimony in five years because you were blown away or you were shut down or it seemed like it was fruitless. I want you to know there is a time of harvest that's coming now. So you need to understand, you know something? I need to, I need to rehearse again what God did for me, what God did for me. Number one, number one, you're an expert on what God did for you. You don't have to be an expert on the Bible. You don't have to be an expert on Jewish law. You don't have to be an expert on Moses or the Hittites or the Hivites or the Jebusites. You just need to know what God did for you. Can you say Amen. Here's what God did for me. Now, when you say, here's what God did for me, you say it with authority because it happened to you. You say it with confidence because it happened to you. You say it boldly. See, one of the most powerful testimonies we have in the whole Bible is when the guy said, look, I don't know everything. All I know is once I was blind, now I see. Secondly, you're not responsible for the results, only planting the seed. You just got to plant the seed. You don't have to worry about the whole, you know, the whole after effect of it. Just say what it is you're going to say. And number three, know that the Holy Spirit is going to use your words. The Holy Spirit will use your words. Whatever it is you say, God is going to anoint and bless. Sometimes you don't even know why you're saying what you're saying. You know, if you say, you know, all I can tell you is that when I came to the Lord, he touched me, he forgave me, he caused my heart to be soft. He healed my marriage. My marriage was healed because God showed me about this and this and this, and, 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 and we, we, we fell back in love again. And you leave that person, again, not worrying about the results, not knowing that the Holy Spirit goes next to that person at night and says, how's your marriage? What, what needs to happen with your marriage? Can you say amen? I used to tell people about what happened to me and uh, have no effect. They're just standing there. Yeah. Good. I believe we came from chimps, and before that, we evolved from a grape. Grape, chimp, to me, that's what I believe. So I would walk away from him, and I would say, get him, God. Just get him. Zap him, God. Torture him, God. Let him not sleep at night, I pray, God. Use the words I spoke, God, to zap him, God. That's what I would pray. Nice, gentle prayers of compassion. Get him, God. He didn't come from a grape. He needs to know that. In Jesus' name. Come on, can you say amen? Let God use your words. My father 
got saved in 1948. I say there was a great revival that happened in the late 40s. My father got saved in 1948. But he tells the story that he was working in a, in a paper mill down in Luke, Maryland, a really tough town filled with alcoholics and not much going on there, just a really rough, tough place. Everybody was drinking and fighting and everything. And this was the environment my father grew up in. And so anyway, but he would be working in the paper mill during the day, and this old-timer would come up to him and tell him about Jesus Christ and how much he's done for him. And my father, of course, would, would, would yell at him and swear at him and push him away in, in a respectful way. I don't want to hear it from you because he was living a hard life. He was a hard drinker. What happened was, a few weeks after this, my father began to feel like he was covered in blood. He didn't know why his mind was feeling like this, but he thought he was losing his mind. And he began to slip into depression. He felt like he was covered in blood. What is this, what is this feeling? Why is this coming on me? And so one day, as he's just getting ready to commit himself to a mental hospital to get help, He's walking down by the railroad tracks and he hears music and he's drawn to it. And as he gets closer to, the, to these people, he sees that they're actually singing hymns and they're baptizing people in the river. And the power of God hit him and he instantly knew what that man was talking about is what I need to have. And he eventually was covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, but he got miraculously saved, came up here to Rhode Island to go to Bible college and the rest is history. But can I tell you something? You don't know what your words are going to trigger. God is going to use that to plant a seed deep into somebody's life. And then number four, listen, this is so important. You're going to sow in one field, you're going to reap in another. You might not get your brother saved, but somebody will get your brother saved. You might not get your brother saved, but get someone's brother saved. Tell someone about the things that God has done for you. I'll tell you, church, we got to realize something's going on out there. We got to not be Gideon, hiding away, intimidated by the world, just trying to fit in, just trying to get along, not making much of a, of a fuss or whatever. Listen, open your eyes and see God is doing something out there, and he's telling you, go in the strength that you now have. Open your mouth and begin to declare what Jesus has done for you. You need to dust off your testimony. You need to real. You need to start to pray for that road. I'll tell you, we're going to fast for three weeks. You need to fast and pray for your family. You need to fast and pray for your neighbors. You need to fast and pray for the people that you're working with. You may have already talked to them until you're blue in the face. Maybe you're not the guy that's going to bring it to pass. Pray for them, though. God, send someone to, to my brother-in-law. I've talked till I'm blue in the face. He doesn't want to hear it from me. But guess what? Someone will speak to him and pierce his heart because God is pouring out righteousness in the earth right now. People's hearts are soft. We're living in a day of salvation, a new day of harvest. Can you say amen? You're going to sow in one field, reap in another. Just bring that verse back up in Isaiah, the 48th chapter. I just want to read this as we close. God says this, you heavens above, Rain down righteousness. Come on, rain down on me, God. Rain down on this church. Rain down on Rhode Island, oh God. Rain down in America, we pray, God. Lord, don't let America slip into the abyss, oh God. Rescue her, we pray, in Jesus' name. I want you to know the answer for the opioid crisis is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. The power of God can hit a nation.
and sweep away these things that seem to have us locked up in prison. God can sweep that away. Shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up, I pray. Let righteousness grow with it. I, the Lord, declare it. Let's stand to our feet. I want to pray for you. Let our eyes open up. Let our hearts be tender. Let us dust off the old Gideon, rise up as mighty warriors. I'm praying for this church. I believe we're going to have to go to multiple church services. I believe that the parking lot is going to be filled time after time after time with your family, with your neighbors. Come on, with the people that you're working with. You know what's so interesting? If you open your mouth, if you make a concerted effort to open your mouth, what's, what's so funny about when you share your testimony is sometimes you're tripping over your feet. Uh, I wanted to just, uh, don't get offended, but, uh, but you know what? God will begin to touch you, and he'll open the doors. You'll be able to put your foot right in there. Somebody's going to say to you, what would you do for Christmas? Perfect. Let me tell you about what happened on Christmas Eve at my church. You know, what's going to happen is God is going to start to use you. The Holy Spirit is going to start to use you. He's going to start to bring people to you. If you will open your mouth, God is going to start to bring people to you. And they're going to say, tell me about Jesus Christ. Tell me what happened to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.